Well, are you in John 10? Here we go. Let's read this together. This is our keynote verse, and you ought to memorize this. I want to encourage you. This ought to become just something that just comes rolling. Everybody say comes rolling. It just ought to come rolling out of your spirit. John 10, 10, Jesus said this. Let's read it out loud and proud. Everybody together. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it. What? More abundantly. Say it again. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That life that Jesus is talking about is spiritual life. That word is zoe. It's the life we find when we are born again. Somebody say born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again in John 3. And he couldn't figure that out. How can you be born twice? He said, you've got to be born uh, of water and you've got to be born of the spirit. It's a physical birth we're birthed into. But as we've learned, we're all born spiritually dead and we need to be born what? Born again. And so Jesus said, the reason I came is so you could have life. And have it more abundantly. It's not a survival lifestyle. It's not just to hang in tough till Jesus comes lifestyle. It's an abundant life. Now, I just came back from Mexico. And I'm telling you, we drill water. We had a blast this week. I had two of my former staff members from my uh, my first church that I pastored in Quitman. Both of them were uh, worship leaders and youth pastors. They were both on the trip with me this week. It was great. Uh, it's good when staff members and people who work together still love each other. <laughs> And so we do. And so we had a blast. And we had a couple other guys from different places. Uh, we drilled three awesome water wells uh, in three days. It's just amazing. And every one of them, Tom, our, our, our missionary on the ground, he, he's been to all the drill sites. He knows what the, the geology and everything is. He said, I want to tell you all before we ever get started, uh, these are going to be tough drills. These, these are hard places. These, I don't feel good about them. I don't know that we'll, you know, we may not be successful but we, we've got to give it our best shot. And so every time we pull up on a drill site, I would look and I'd go, ooh, ugh, you know, rocks everywhere. And you think, you know, they didn't bring these rocks in for, uh, uh, you know, uh, landscape features. This is just, it's a rocky terrain and, and, and just hard places. Every place, it was, it was three of the easiest drills I've ever been on. And we got water that we couldn't, we could not pump the, we put a submersible down these little pump, these little wells and, and turned it wide open and never was able to run it dry. And so with these little hand pumps, they'll never run dry. So we brought fresh water to the needy people of Mexico this week. Somebody give him some praise. Woo! And then we repaired five that needed repairs. And so I don't have any pictures or videos for you. I want you to go on my Facebook page. It's loaded, okay? Uh, and you'll be able to see and what we do firsthand. I want you to be there firsthand. In fact, some of y'all really want you to be there firsthand. Brent needs to go on a trip. Uh, Shannon's been on a trip. Uh, Ryan's been on a trip. Y'all need to go. Scotty, have you been? You need to go again. The, 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 the West brothers need to go. And let me just say, your wives wish you would. I just, I've been talking to them. They, they've been wanting you to go. Aaron has to go, doesn't he, Mr. He just needs to go. He needs an attitude adjustment. We'll get him out there. All right. So, so we've, it just was phenomenal. And, and the one newbie guy who's, uh, his name's David Hartley, he pastors Living Waters Fellowship in Wood County. And he, uh, he got so frothed up 
about water coming out of the well, he almost started crying. He said, I almost started crying. I said, I know the feeling. It's, it's emotional. And so we made a big difference. But here's the thing we talked about, and this is, I'll get back to this. These people, you, if you lived in some of the places these people live, if you live the lifestyle that some of the, that, that all these people are living, if I brought that lifestyle to your neighborhood, they would run you out of the town. They would, they would condemn where you're living. But these people are happy. We had a whole bag full of, uh, uh, one of the guys, he loves the kids. He brings all kinds of little toys. We had a whole bag full of water guns. Oh, it, I kind of thought it was funny. You bringing water guns to kids who don't even have a faucet. I don't know how that works, but uh, they love the water guns. And man, I, we'd see kids, we're driving down the road, we'd see kids and we'd stop and, and give them candy. There they're not scared for strangers to give them candy. And so we'd give them candy and, and a 25 cent water gun, they would jump up and down like I gave them an iPhone. I'm telling you, they were excited. Uh, and so we just, they, these people are appreciative. These people l- love their life and most all of them smile. Some of you walked in today, look like you've been baptized in pickle juice, but they were living a life. Now I, I believe that we need to understand. And, and, and I know we need to understand that, that the life we live in this life, it's not, it should not be based upon the circumstances of our life or the amount of money that is or is not in our checkbook. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's where we've been. And I want to just give you a little quick rundown uh, and just kind of because humanity's got a problem. This life thing is a problem because here's the global God problem. All of humanity is born in sin. We're separated from God. And I gave you these two verses, one at the beginning of the Bible and one at the end of the Bible. Genesis 2, 17, the day you eat of it, God says, speaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely what? He told that to who? Adam and Eve. I wish I had a candy bar for all of you that said that. You got it right. Uh, Adam and Eve. And they didn't die physically. They died what? Spiritually. They were separated from God. They began to realize they're sinners. But at the end of the story, I love the end of the book. How many of you know it turns out pretty good at the end? In Revelation 21, 4, when we're in heaven, in the eternal glories of heaven, there shall be no more Death. And so from, from, and here was our point to ponder that we gave you, uh, really this whole series, I think. Uh, everything between the Garden of Eden and the glory of eternity, both past, present, and future, have been for the global God goal of raising that which is dead back to life. That's what the Bible's all about. Somebody said that's what the Bible's all about. That's why we're here. That's why you're here today. How many of you have been born again? Just go, whoo, hallelujah. Amen. You've been lifed by God. You know, he, you, you've experienced that new birth and, and you now belong to God. God deal, dealt with the sin problem on Calvary's cross. And from that day until this day, God's global goal has to get, been to get us back into right relationship with God and breathe life into us. And so that's been kind of our foundation. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the life of the giver of life. We've been looking at how Jesus lived his life. And if you remember in the Gospels, there's not very much we know about Jesus before he moved into his full-time ministry. We know a few little things about, uh, well, of course, we know about his birth. Uh, everybody say, uh, Merry Christmas. 
I'm telling you, that's his birth. We know about his birth and we know, and that's awesome. And we know a little bit about his childhood and growing up, but, uh, for three years in his ministry, uh, for th- his real full-time ministry was really only three years here in this earth. That's most of all of what we know about Jesus uh, and his ministry and his life. And in those three years, you can glean some great things about the life of the giver of life. And, and, and so that's where we've been for the last few weeks. Uh, let me just kind of run through some of, oh, and our, our verse that we looked at, Acts 17, 28 a, let's say this together. In him we live and move and have our being. Say it, everybody out loud. In him we live. And move and have our being. All the men say it. Just the men out loud and proud. In him. All the ladies. In. Guys, you've been outdone. Come on, guys. Let's do it. In him we live. Come on, just the guys. All the guys. Here we go. In him we live and move and have our being. Everyone together. In him we live and move and have our being. And that's really true. And so we looked at the life of the giver of life. And I shared this with you. uh, Two kind of overarching insights about the life of Christ. He lived his life with clarity of the reason. He knew why he was here. Most people don't know the meaning of life. Most people don't know why they're here. They've been trying to answer those questions. Who am I and why am I here? Everybody say, who am I and why am I here? Well, you're here because Jesus has a plan for your life to be a part of his global God plan to bring man and, 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 and God back into right relationship with here, with him. Uh, and that is abundantly clear. He, he had great clarity of the reason for his being. Number two, he had gl- great clarity of the re, uh, of the season that he lived in. When you see him being baptized there at the river Jordan, uh, and then that moved him into his uh, real, uh, uh, public ministry from that time on he knew he had a limited time on planet earth and he had a pl- God had a plan this was his season let me just tell you today we all have a season we should be moving into the season that God has for us to be more effective for him be more influential for him than ever before and everybody said one more amen and then I began to give you some uh, lifestyle, the way he lived. Here we, here's four, and I'm going to finish up with three more today. The first four, he lived a lifestyle of sanctity. He was always righteous and holy. And, and you know what? He lives in us. G- uh, the scripture says, be holy because I am holy. You see, God's holy. We, we're in him. He's in us. And we can live a holy life. If you want to live the life, if you want to live the abundant life that he has for you, you got to live a lifestyle of sanctification and staying right with God. Uh, hey, listen, uh, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. And you've got to also live a life of service. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Most people are trying to get somebody to serve them. If I can come to a place in life where people serve me, that'll be great. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And that's the heart of Jesus. That's the way he lived. That's the way we need to live. Most people like the message of service until people start treating us like one. Hello. That's why people at the drive-thru, if you don't treat them nice, they do bad things to your food. They don't like to be treated like servants, even though they are. It's kind of the way the church is. Man, I like church until they make me serve. And then they take advantage of you. And then all of a sudden, you just feel important. You get all upset because you're serving and nobody cares. And pastor, pastor right beside you. And man, you're just serving your heart out and there's no reward. Oh, I'm going to say 
Jesus was a servant. He lived a lifestyle of service. And he also lived a lifestyle of seeking. He was always seeking two things. Seeking God at the place of prayer. And that's where we're headed next. You want to know where we're headed next? Here on Sunday morning and on Wednesday nights and in different places. Hey, we're got, we've got a new em- emphasis for the summer coming up. It's called Let Us Pray. Everybody say, Let Us Pray. You see it everywhere, you hear it everywhere, but not much in, 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 in reality as families and husbands and wives. Listen, we need to be saying that more. We need to look at each other. Oh, we got issues. Let us pray. Amen. God answers prayer. Give somebody a high five and say, God answers prayer. Jesus was seeking God all the time. And the second thing he was seeking, and this ought to be the motivation of our life, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we need to be living the life that Jesus, hey, in him we live and move and have our being. We need to live a lifestyle of seeking God and seeking to uh, after that which is lost and bringing Christ to a lost and a dying world. And then Jesus lived a lifestyle of showing. It's about discipleship. He told his, his disciples, follow me and I'll do what? Make you what? Fishers of men. If you'll just follow me, I'll show you how to live the life. You see, if we'll just begin to follow Jesus, he will show us how to live the life. And then he will impart to us the reality that we too have a responsibility to show, not only know the way and go the way, but to show the way. Whew, that's where we've been. And I got a little time here to hit you with three more. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready, Pastor. All right, I got a little Spanish. Let's see. Help me. I'm, I'm, don't, no, it's, get ready. It's, are you ready? Ready. What's the word? Say it out loud. Say it. Stalisto. Everybody say, Stalisto. Now, they were just saying listo. I think that's what they were saying. And so they said, listo. So, y'all ready to go? My Spanish brother said, listo. Everybody say, listo. All right. Y'all ready for lunch? You listo for lunch? All right. You hang on to your britches there. We got some preaching to do first. Listo. Here we go. Let me give you three more. Jesus also, the giver of life, lived not only a lifestyle of showing, but a lifestyle, say it, of sowing. It was always sowing seeds. Anybody here got a garden? Anybody sow seeds, plant flowers? Jesus was sowing seeds. In fact, the, one of the greatest parables that he ever taught that's, that's uh, repeated uh, at least, I think, in three of the Gospels, it's the parable of the seed and the soil. Everyone say the seed and the soil. And he talks about sowing seed into four different types of soil, which really represents the, the heart condition of man. There was the rocky soil. There was the soil among thorns or the weeds. There was the shallow soil. And then there was the good soil. Uh, and in the good soil, the seed, he said, would bring forth a harvest of some, some, and some, Hundredfold. If you sow the seed in the good soil, it would bring forth abundance of harvest. Now, the disciples were getting it, but they weren't getting it. So after he got done with it, they said, now, come on, explain. And so he said, well, let me start by this way. The seed is the word of God. Everyone say that with me. The seed is the word of God. And then he he began to explain to them the seed of the word of God. Listen, Jesus went about the business. Now, when you, you, the, the fact, I think it's the song. 
Psalms. He that goeth forth uh, spreading precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Uh, uh, goes weeping bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves or his harvest with him. The whole picture is not, you know, here's a seed. Here's a seed. Here's a, you know, That's how we garden. You know, we get the measuring tape out because we're OCD and the strings and the lines. See, it's not about the harvest, really. It's about how good it looks. You know, ooh, yeah. Well, that's good. That's cool. I'm not being critical. But when Jesus' day, they would just, they just sow seed. They just throw the seed. They just get the soil all this, start sowing seed. Jesus lived a lifestyle of sowing seed everywhere he went. And Jesus wants us not only to be, uh, you know, reapers of the harvest, but sowers of seed. Somebody say, sow the seed. Now, let me give you some overarching, there's a whole lot we can say here. Let me give you some overarching principles just about living a lifestyle of sowing that you need to know about. Here they are. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, everybody say, listo. Here we go. Here it is. In fact, when I left Mexico, one of the guys there said, okay, Pastor Sam, when you come back, I want to hear five words that you've learned. We're tired of you not knowing Spanish. I said, okay, listo. I said, I know Spanish. Taco, burrito, carne asada. I got that down, Pat. If you go on Facebook, you can see me eating a chicken foot. Not much meat on those chicken feet. I can guarantee you. But hey, listo? Here we go. Let me give you some overarching principles that, that, that work, that, that we need to catch in our life about living a lifestyle of sowing. Here it is. What is sown determines what is reaped. Now, in Scripture, you'll find people sow a lot of things. You can sow some bad seed. Some of you have been sowing. Somebody, in fact, somebody said, well, when I get done sowing my wild oats, then I'll come and serve the Lord. Let me tell you something about those wild oats. They bring forth fruit. And some of them go, and call you daddy. You reap what you sow. You don't, hey, listen. You don't sow, you know, watermelon seed and get apricots. You don't sow, you know, it's just, you know, whatever, everyone say, whatever I sow, that will I reap. And that's a biblical principle, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. It says, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he'll reap spiritual things and blessings and benefits. And so in this lifestyle that we're living, whatever we sow, we reap. And if we're wanting to live the life that Jesus has for us to live, we need to be sowing the good things of God, sowing the word of God, sowing the love of God. Everywhere I go, I'm sowing good things because good things come back to me. If I sow bitter roots, I guess what? I'm going to get bitter fruit. If I sow anger and malice and trouble and trauma, it's going to come back on me. And some of them will call us mama and daddy. And some of us will tell us exactly where to go and get off, for goodness sake. Because how we live and what we sow will come back to us. Are you with me? Say amen. Another principle. The amount sown determines the amount reaped. The amount we sow determines the amount we reap. In fact, what did Paul say? And this was reference to money, but it's an overarching principle about, principle about sowing. Don't sow sparingly. 
If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And that's a principle of sowing. You know, some people, some people are so funny. You know, they don't think they are, but they are. When, when they walk off, people giggle at them because they're so funny. I've, I've actually heard this. Uh, Pastor, you told me to tithe. Yeah? Well, have you tithed? Well, I did last week. And you said, if, if I tithe, then God, God will bless me. You're sowing seeds. How many of you know it's a process? And, and the more you sow, the more you reap. Every area of our life. The more we sow, the more we reap. And if you keep sowing bad seed, you're going to keep reaping bad seed. Now, the third principle, uh, and all of these work for the good or for the bad. I mean, it'll work. uh, It's a principle. You sow little, you reap little. If you sow bad seed, you're going to reap bad seed. Here's another principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing seeds reaps a compounded harvest. In other words, and, and how many of you know that's true? You gardeners, you sow two or three little seeds you don't get two or three little fruit. You get an, a, you get a compound harvest. You, as you're sowing seeds, one seed could produce all kinds of fruit. And so there's a compound harvest that you and I need to realize. And both, it works bad on the bad side. And it, or you sow bad seeds, it just comes back and eats your lunch. You need to understand that. But if you sow the good seed of God's word everywhere you go, like Jesus did, it will bring forth much good fruit. In fact, Jesus talked to him about the mustard seed. You remember the parable of the mustard seed? The mustard seed is one of the littlest seeds. And he said one little mustard seed can produce a mustard. I don't, I, he may have called it a tree. I don't know if it's an actually a tree, but a big, huge vine that the birds of the air could come and rest in and the fruit and the harvest. You see, that's a principle. And you need to realize this. You know, with people's life, you don't know who you're talking to. In fact, uh, Pastor Sonny just uh, went to uh, Florida. Pastor Sonny is the, the, the president of Church on the Rock Network of Ministers and of, whom, of which I am. And we are a part. And he went to one of his young persons uh, when he was in youth ministry. One of the young knotheads in his youth group years ago is now in Florida pastoring a church that has three services. And they have satellite campuses and thousands of people are being born again and ministered to because of some, because of some seed in a young boy's life that was sown over here in children's church and youth group. And it got in his heart and it began to grow and it began to prosper. And now all the way down in Florida, there's an abundance of harvest. We don't know who we're ministering to when we sow the seed into their life. We don't know who we're talking to when we just go about bearing precious seed for sowing and sowing into people's life. And I'm going to tell you something. When you sow, you will reap. If you don't sow, you'll re- you won't reap. If you sow abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. And if you sow good, you're going to reap good back. But if you sow bad, it's going to come back on you. Jesus lived a lifestyle of sowing. Sadly, most people are just concerned about what? Reaping. Most people just want to reap, but they don't want to sow. It's kind of like trying to go to the bank and make a withdrawal and you hadn't made any deposits. Hey, anybody ever bounced a check? Come on, be honest. That's all I have. As long as it wasn't on purpose. We all do that. We all mess up. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to withdraw more than we put in. It doesn't work that way. They'll, it'll catch up to you in a hurry. 
Isn't it embarrassing? You swipe your debit card. Oh, and it, it, it didn't go. Well, something must be wrong with my card. I'm going to call that bank right now. We're trying to withdraw more than we put in. It may be mistake. You know, we may have made a mistake. I mean, I've made mistakes. Here's one good mistake I've made. I, when I got first got married, uh, or was about to get married, uh, I, I had a pretty good job. And I calculated, man, this thing's going to cost me two or three hundred dollars. That's a lot of money for a boy back in whenever I got married. Glad my wife's not here. And so as I got prepared for it, I, I began to, I think I better balance my checkbook. Hadn't done it in five or six months. Didn't have a clue. I just assumed everything was working out okay. I balanced my checkbook and I found 900 and something dollars that I'd forgot to enter my checkbook. Now that was a long time ago. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money now. It was a really a lot of money then. And I, and, and you know what my daddy said? My daddy said, the Lord helps people like you, son. And I didn't know, but oh, it, hey, listen, if you try to reap, most people just want to reap, but they don't want to sow. Listen, we've got to become busy about the father's business and begin to sow the word of God in people's life. Hey, sow it wherever you go. Sow the word of God. Quote the scripture. Uh, not just be a role model and example, but share the word. The word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Sow the seed and it'll bring forth fruit. And everybody say amen. Jesus lived a life of sowing. Number six, which is number two for us today. He also lived a life of surrender. Luke twenty two forty two, and even in Matthew it says this. It says Jesus didn't come to be served, but to and give his what life a ransom for many. He came to live a life of surrender. You know, when I was a boy in the Baptist church, they sang hymns of surrender. How many of you grew up in Baptist church? You remember this in the altar call? I surrender all. I surrender all. Must not have been any Baptists here today. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender Oh, man, the pastor would get up there and they'd been, begin to sing that and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would come upon me. I was born again while the organ was playing and the choir director was singing, I surrender all, God gripped my heart and I walked the aisle. I gave my life to Christ and I surrendered my life to Him. Jesus lived a life of ultimate surrender. In fact, uh, uh, when he came, his life was surrendered to the will of God. And he yielded his life to the will of God. And if we're going to live the life that Jesus has for us to live, if we're going to follow in his footsteps, most people are following his footsteps for fish and bread. But I'm telling you, if you're going to live the life that he has, hey, in him we live and move and have our being. If we're going to live the life that he has for us, we've got to live a life of surrender. Here's another old hymn I used to sing that we probably ought to resurrect. Have thine own way, Lord. 
You remember that? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still it's a lifestyle of surrender in fact I never sang the fourth verse but I looked it up today let me see if I can find it here I wanted to read it to you because it certainly applies to us. Here's the fourth verse. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit. Catch this. Till all shall see Christ only always living in me. I love that verse. Christ only always. Living in me. If we're going to live the life that He has for us to live, if we're going to live the life of the giver of life, we've got to live a lifestyle of sanctity, serving, seeking, showing, sowing, and surrender. Amen. And then finally, we've got to live a lifestyle of sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. In fact, remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming. He's baptizing down by the river, and here comes Jesus uh, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know what he was declaring? Behold, the sacrificial Lamb. Now, every Jewish person knew exactly what John the Baptist was talking about. Here comes the one that's going to sacrifice his life, lay down his life as a sacrificial Lamb on the altar of sacrifice and pay the ultimate price for the sins of all humanity. Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. In fact, it says he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He came to lay down his life. Everybody remember John 3.16? What did it say? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there's another John 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16 and it says something like this because Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for the brethren. In other words, just because he sacrificed and did that all for us doesn't mean that we now are exempt from living a life of sacrifice. Are you with me? Say, it's so quiet in here today. You start talking about service and sacrifice and surrender. All four Gospels 
Very few things are found in all the four Gospels. You know, they all, some of them will have two or three recollections of a certain thing Jesus did. All four Gospels record this phrase in some form or another, uh, uh, the words of Jesus. And here it is. It, uh, and they're different, they're a little different in each one, but basically here's the thought. All four Gospels record this. Jesus said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How many of you know the disciples got that down? They figured that out. And when you look at the life of the disciples, even after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, you know what they all did? And many of them paid with their very lives. They laid their lives on the altar of sacrifice. History says Peter was actually crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the way that the Lord uh, uh, was crucified. And and these these disciples, John the Revelator, he, he, he died on the isle called Patmos. They laid their lives down because Jesus laid down his life for them. And Jesus said, if you want to really live, come on now, you got to lose your life. You got to lay your life on the altar of sacrifice and say, whatever you tell me to do today, I'll do. There are missionaries, pastors, preachers, Christians all over the world today that are very literally laying their lives down for the gospel. Persecution at an all-time high. In our day. And in Paul the Apostles' day and in, in the disciples' day, losing your life for the gospel was commonplace. They stoned Stephen. Stoned him to death. While he was dying, he saw Jesus. That's the life of the giver of life. You see, if you try to if you try to keep it, if you try to save it, if you think it's all about you, listen, th did you know the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere is planet Earth? Hello, I've lost you already. The shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere is planet Earth. It's only temporary. Tell somebody next to you, this life is only temporary. It's only temporary. We understand that. We try to understand that. So we need to understand we're living for eternity. We're not living for the here and now. We're living for all eternity. And we need to understand that our life is just a breath in this life. We've got to live in a way that would give Him the glory, that would honor Him, and, and, and live for the fame and the glory of His name. Are you living the life? Or we need to ask ourselves, are we living the life of the giver of life? Are we living, really choosing to live a life of sanctity, a life of service, a life of seeking after Him and seeking this, uh, after that which is lost? Are we living a lifestyle showing others the way, not just knowing the way and going the way, but showing the way? Are we living a lifestyle of sowing the seed of God's Word everywhere we go and His love and His care for those who need us? Are we living a life of ultimate surrender where we say, I surrender all to you? You're the potter. I'm the clay. Have your way. You see, life is found in Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. Jesus said, the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly.
Let's bow our heads before the Lord this morning.